Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Jackson. This conference is being recorded by the organizer. <laughs> you know, we wouldn't have it any uh, other way. I have time before you come on sometimes to listen to the actual words to the song. And yes. it's kind of almost like a pledge of allegiance, you know, yes. when you think about the words, it's a pledge of allegiance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know that uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be true to you. I'm not going to. I'm never going to give you down. up. I'm never going to let I'm you down. Gonna, yeah, that's, that's, those are. That's I'm like, never going to uh, run around and hurt you. It's like renewing your marriage vows almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> So, did you enjoy your free zone day? I did. It was really great. It was like high. It went fast, too. What was your take? Yeah, that's. Yeah, well, the six hours, you know, it's. uh, If you're, um, you know, if you're engaged, six hours really goes really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a proof of relativity in one way or not, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so, yeah. Well, I was really pleased by the response to VCR, your vision capability and uh, reach, because mm-hmm. uh, people came at it from a lot of different angles. That first, uh, I had a big insight. Or... Go ahead. Hey, I had a big insight on that. That I observed what you observed, and it's funny mm-hmm. that people who are, you know, reach centric were crystal clear that reach is the most important thing and that <laughs> people who were vision centric were like, yeah, vision is the most important thing and capabilities <laughs> yeah. are the most important thing. And it's, yeah. it's funny to see, but it's absolutely true. You, that's what you want is you want somebody who thinks this is the most important piece. Well, and that, that also tells you why it has to be teamwork. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. In on the team, one person. Yeah, I've I've been reading. uh, It's very, very interesting. Uh, I've really come across uh, one of those rare authors that you want to read everything the person has ever written, and his name is Tim Wu, and he's a professor at Columbia University in New York City. Yes. And and he writes on uh, his base uh, basic topic is antitrust laws. You know where uh, can uh, corporations, you know, industrial mm-hmm. and, and the anti the whole antitrust legislation developed as a result primarily of uh, you know primarily uh, Standard Oil and um, AT and T. So yes. late nineteenth century, early twentieth century. Or, most of the 20th century, and uh, it, it, and what it is, can an industrial organization become so big that it begins to dictate economic and political um, um, policies and actually starts creating the structures in which people live that the corporation has more to say about how people live their lives than the country that they live in. You know, uh-huh. and that's his point. That's his point. And he says, he said that generally speaking, um, antitrust has said that if a corporation gets so much control of the marketplace, it has monopoly control that it can then raise prices. And, uh, and basically, um, we don't live in a world where that's really happened, except funny, funny. Funny enough, it's only happened in in the monopoly world that's controlled by governments. So healthcare mm. prices have gone up, and the education prices have gone up, costs uh-huh. have gone gone up. But in the commercial world, uh, just the opposite. You know, uh, Amazon is certainly an example that um, you know prices can go down. Yes, but but then. Uh, when that same corporation who makes things cheap for you starts censoring what can be on their platform or not, then you're crossing over into another, into another um, dimension. You know, uh, that's not about prices. That's not about, you know, consumer. Yeah. That really struck me as, as weird. Like you're talking about the, 
Amazon Web Services deciding to shut yep. down a, a whole uh, website uh, and apps uh, service, which mm-hmm. really, boy, that's a, um, yeah, that opens seem to open yeah. up a whole can of worms for them. Like, well, well, you, you it know. already has. Yeah. yeah, I think it already has. And uh, his, uh, you know, it's uh, a British statesman in the uh, 19th century, 1800s, Lord Acton. And Lord Acton's law is power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. You know, uh-huh. that when, that, you know, that when you get really big and you have uh, people only saying yes to you, um, mm-hmm. you start, um, you, you start having visions of grandeur about yourself and what you're doing that, uh, probably aren't good for you and, and <laughs> certainly aren't good for, a lot of other other people so yeah uh, it's an interesting world we live in and i'm i'm happy to read this because i think things were a lot worse um a hundred years ago than they are now in relationship to this huge corporations um more or less controlling people's daily lives yeah you i wonder like where because i think about that so let, let's say that somebody decided that google i want to bring this back to beat I want to bring this back to VCR because I okay. think you've given you've given people a tool to always be free. In other words, uh-huh. you can always be creating um, new, um, you know, a new future for yourself that's bigger than your past, which is yeah. my definition, a certain definition of happiness. Uh-huh. Anyway, but go on with your your. Um, you know, well, I was thinking life. about you know you talk about how monopoly, like everybody's talking about. Google as a monopoly, as an example, and maybe in a lot of ways, um, you wonder, you know, does does life get, does it ever get to a point where because it's a monopoly, it's so, it's good for, for us that it would be worse if it wasn't a monopoly. Mm-hmm. Like you wonder, do you, you know, you can go to Google and you know that they're organizing of all the world's information, so you can go mm-hmm. to to get it there. But does it, you know, w- would it be, um, would we be better if there were other competitors? So I guess you could you could argue that there are other competitors. Nobody's stopping anybody from yeah being a uh, in there. Just they have a functional preference monopoly like an earned monopoly i would think yeah well you know uh you'd have to ask someone who uh doesn't think it's a good idea (laughs) you know i mean for me yeah you know uh i find convenient uh i find uh i find google great uh in the sense that uh, i'm always kind of amazed at what you can find out on google that yeah, always, you know that that always is kind of a feeling I have when yeah, I'm yeah. working with Google, and then um, uh, but uh, if I because the way I use Google is I'll think of a question and I just go and I punch it in, and then all sorts of articles come up in response to my question, and I'm just sometimes I wonder. Uh, if I put in the question ten ways that Google is destroying the world, whether they'd find any articles for that, uh-huh, <laughs> or they'd right, be on right. page eighty, or they'd be on page eighty-seven. You know, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you mean ten ways Google's making the world better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I mean. Uh, uh, I, I'm 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 ske- I'm a really skeptical about where I'm skeptical that people who have who have total power also have nothing but good intentions. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. And, uh, and so so. It's but it comes down to then it comes down. I always think about uh, you know Milton Friedman to Phil Donahue. When he was talking about yeah. greed and, you know, wouldn't it be better if things were fairer? And Milton Friedman said to him, 
where do you propose we find these angels to come and organize society without regard to self-interest? I don't even yeah. trust you to do that, <laughs> which I yeah. thought was the best. You know, I don't even yeah. trust you to do that, Phil. I mean, yeah. that's part yeah. of being think, uh, human yeah, self-interest. I think, I think the, the big thing, uh, the big thing that I, uh, you know, what I like, uh, you know, about basically my understanding of how the U.S. is uh, constructed going to the Constitution that it doesn't trust anybody, you know, that, mm. that the basic document of the United States doesn't trust the president, doesn't trust House of Representatives, doesn't trust the Senate, doesn't trust the Supreme Court, doesn't trust the states, but it, it gives each of them power. Uh, each of them yes. has power to do certain things. And then uh, it has very, very uh, specifically defined rules about uh, just how far they can go with their power before they run into a check, you know, and yeah. things get balanced and everything else. In my sense, that's why it's gotten so big and successful. And yet you and I, uh, you know, uh, we can pretty well go about our life without worrying too much about how the whole system works. Right. Yeah. But the thing I love about your vision uh, capability and and uh, reach is that any individual who takes the time to inventory what the various components of their vision um, uh, are, uh, you know, both personally and business-wise, and then yeah. short range, medium range, long range, and then we'll... Uh, inventory all the de- capabilities they already have access to, mm-hmm. their own personal, organizational, and things they have collaborative capabilities, and then thinks about all the networks and systems and platforms for multiplying their impact out in the world. My sense is that every 90 days, um, you could get a bigger bang for your buck out of that exercise. Mm-hmm. Constant. I agree. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. As a framework, and that, that kind of tells me that that tells me you have, um, um, you know, pretty well constantly um, expanding freedom, freedom as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's one of those elegant, um, you know, bedrock contexts that is durable it's equally going to be mm-hmm. true going forward it's been true when we you know back test it there's there's always been um winning examples of collaboration between vision capability and reach and um it's going to continue going forward and i think that what i'm finding is as we as I really explore more the the lanes what these um are i'm I'm really getting i get completely energized in the vision mm-hmm. lane yeah yeah, yeah well yeah. <laughs> it strikes me because you've brought it up on previous uh previous podcasts that we've done uh together dean that you have a guinea pig living with you that you can test this out, you know, someone who's in his teen years. And yes, that you can exactly. actually test this test this out. And uh I mean you taught him the basic uh formula for you know for eBay and doing all yes. sorts of other things like that. But it yeah. seems to me that um and I brought this up during our free zone day uh just a couple of days ago that it seems to me if you were thinking about education for the 21st century, I mean, it seems to me that the last year where there's been such colossal failure of basic education where teachers refuse to show up and, you know, whole, you know, uh, whole jurisdictions just locked down, the children can't go to school. This is really, a, this is really a opportune time to actually rethink education right from the beginning. Maybe the reason why all the schools are shut down is because even if they were open, open, 
even if they were open, they weren't actually preparing people for the future. So maybe they're being shut down mm. uh, as an inconvenience to parents who've basically been using the public school system for daycare purposes. Not necessarily. That's really what it is, more than anything. Right, that's what the... Uh, I think you're right. That, that And that's why there was, uh, I think, such a, um eagerness to get back to regular school. Yeah. Well, it's either yeah. it's either at best it's daycare and at worst it's just warehousing. I just need somebody to warehouse his body for eight, eight hours, you know. <laughs> but it's also, I think, though, if I'm playing uh, both sides of it, it's also an important dynamic in in growing up being part of that ecosystem yes 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 the navigating the social situations yeah. in in yeah. middle school and high school and finding your way that way you know it's really interesting to see i don't know whether you have any contact with people that you went to you know middle school and high school with if you've ever seen or, or whatever became of them kind of thing. And it's really interesting to see that there's not many surprises in middle school. Like not many, I don't think anybody really surprised me in a sense of, wow, that person really turned it around and, and made it or that person. Wow. They didn't really uh, pan out. They were a, a, such a star in middle school academically or, or, you know, emotional intelligence wise. I think you can really tell emotional intelligence at, at that age. And if I line up like the people that if I were to pick them out of a lineup, the ones that, that uh, you thought were not going to amount to anything didn't really amount to anything, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) that they're, they're, that was show there were uh, symptoms of that early on. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. There's a British, a recurring British uh, film series called Seven Up. Have you ever seen seen it? Um, no. And there's been seven of them so far, and they're done every seven years, and they follow okay. the same same group of people. So it was done, uh, you know. Somebody had an idea of, hey, let's go to the zoo. And it was either a zoo or it was a, yeah. I think it was a zoo. And it was a uh, middle school, it was a school of seven-year-olds. And uh, they were um, on a day trip to the zoo and they interviewed them. Okay. And they're mm-hmm. you know, about half and half women, uh, girls and boys. And um, they seemed kind of like each other, you know, like seven-year-olds. They, they yeah. kind of like each other. And then they went back and they interviewed them again when they were 14. And you could see they weren't like each other at 14. And then they did it at 21, 28. I think they're up to 49 now. And some of them have died. Oh, really? And some of them refused to, you know, be part of the project. Uh-huh. But the three that uh, three that surprised me the most were the three, two of them who moved to the United States and one who moved to Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, they seemed a lot happier than the ones who stayed in Britain. Wow, that's really interesting. Is that yeah, on, called, uh, would that uh, be on Netflix or where would I find that? Yeah, yeah, just punch it. Well, here's my suggestion, Dean. There's oh, yeah, Google. Google. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's right. Go to this. So that's G O O G L E. If you go <laughs> to that service and punch in, you know, uh, uh, where can I, you know, what's what? Where can I get the videos for the Seven Up series? It's called is Seven it a Up. Number, is it, is it uh, the number seven or? I think I it's S. Uh, I think you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can okay. do some testing, right? Right in the moment. Right in the it's moment. free. It's free it's to free. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Dan, have you seen um, 
Have you seen Let Me Google That For You? No. <laughs> there's a website. There's a website with and it's the it's the initials of let me Google that for you. So L M G, you know, that dot com. And you type in seven up in the British series in the uh, search bar and then you press search and it records the thing and brings to the answer. And you can send that video to me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> let me Google that for you. It's the perfect thing. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's that's really entering into the dimension of sloth. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's just so funny. How, how, how little do you actually want to do in life? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, oh. uh, I think you'd, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you'd have to kind of be into it, you know, because they ask them all, but you know, that it's very, very, they, they just ask them what, about what their lives are like and what they thought their life yeah. was going to be. But it's a very fascinating lawn, uh, what's called a lawn study, because they've stayed with it. And I, I suspect that uh, it's been taken up by other movie makers because some of the original movie makers may be, you know, they may have died. Yeah. But they, but they kept, they kept it up, and it's fascinating. You know, they've got something going, and probably uh, uh, the interest in it would get renewed at a certain point. And, yeah. uh, but it was very definitely that, uh, uh, you know, you could see the class divisions very, very, you know, as yeah. you went from one seven year period to the other, you could see the class divisions and the occupation divisions. Yeah. Um, certainly, and certainly the, um, you know, the, um, yeah. wealth divisions, uh, and, and the people, but I, I thought it was a very fascinating, uh, series just to watch. And, uh, you know, here here's an interesting. Uh, you're you're bringing up an interesting topic when you mention, uh, you know that that I think that at age 38. Okay, so age 38, I would have been. Uh, uh, so that was 1982. Um, that my life up until uh, uh, 1982 would have been fairly predictable to um, people who had grown up with me. Mm -hmm. And in 1982, I created the strategy circle and I met Fabs. And I don't think, so that was my first 38 years. Now I've lived another 38 years. And I don't think what's happened since 1982 would have been predictable. Mm -hmm. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's really, uh, yeah, I think, I this is, I think, uh, I was going along the normal highway with intersections and then in 1982, I got an on-ramp to something. <laughs> oh, and, that uh, gave you a, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I think it would be very, very, and it was kind of interesting because I had a lot of contact with my family. My mm -hmm. siblings up to 1982, and then not so much since 1982. Hmm. And when I'm with them, uh, it's uh, all my effort to ask them questions about what they're doing. Um, there isn't much on my side that's understandable to them. Right. Yeah, I remember you saying that one of them had come to your office and what they were shocked by what they saw. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little and, Danny. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, there's a little Danny. You know, look at what little <laughs> Danny's up to. <laughs> and uh, you know, and I'm still. I'm. You know, I mean, not only am I still working where none of them are, but yeah. I'm. You know, I mean, what lies ahead is incredibly yeah. bigger in my imagination than uh, anything I've done up until now. Well, you're, you know, that, I guess this is where you could say your vision met capability in, in 1982, I guess. Right. I mean, yeah, totally. 
Yeah, totally. Because you would call Babs a capability for sure oh. for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, it didn't really take off. Probably, you know, I would say things grew. Things were good. Things, you know, mm-hmm. things were looking great. But um, probably as a one on one, as a one on one coach. Yeah. Yeah, ten years after 1982, then things really started to take off. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, I've just been, you know, going back and forth on our numbers. Uh, and this is an interesting thing that some someone who had been in the program for 15 years, I, I talked about this, I think, on Thursday, um, uh, got a hold of the book Who Not How, and immediately signed back up. Uh, for the 10 times program and brought another person who had not been in the, uh, had not been in the program since, um, 20 years. He had not been for 20 years and he's coming back. Okay. Wow. And that's just because of the book, just because yes. of the Who Not How book. And mm-hmm. I was just looking, um, so you could pretty well, uh, you could pretty well consider them new registration, you know. Sure. They're, they're not, they're not like renewals because 10 years and 20 years. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and uh, the one who came back, I know within a year will be, will be in the free zone program just because of what he's doing. You oh, know? Nice. And, uh, and uh, I was just thinking of the economic value of, a, of uh, the book in terms of bringing people to the strategic coach program, just in terms of two people who had been in coach and are coming mm-hmm. back, you know, so, yeah. it's, and, and that's the reach of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the reach of, you know, having those little bottles with messages and spreading <laughs> the world's ocean. You know? Yeah. Every beach, every beach connected to Literally. every part of the ocean, a, a bottle's coming up with a message. <laughs> that's right. Um, time to come back. Time to come uh, back. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, a beacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it's, uh, and this, you know, uh, here's here's the thing that I'm projecting for you as you go forward with the VCR. Okay, that, I like this. Uh, this will become a uh, a way of talking about things. You know, that yeah. uh, you won't talk that uh, I've got a really big goal here. You won't talk about, you know, uh, you know, we have a tremendous capability or I've talked about, hey, I've got this new system. You'll talk about all three as a single unified, as a single unified uh, approach. Mm-hmm. Well, it really creates and what free zone is really creating is an open source um, you know, multiplying, um, <laughs> uh, environment. That's really what yeah. it's, you know, especially if we get to the point well, where everybody well, is speaking that common nobody, language. Yeah. That nobody's biggest success is anything but enjoyment for anybody else's biggest. Success. Yes. Like there isn't a, Oh, well, if he's getting there, then I'm not. There isn't that competitive thing, you know. The no, 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 no. Yeah. And I think, the, uh, and I think it's only, I, I think you can only even talk about that in 2020. You couldn't have talked about this in 1990. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think you're right because it's now, it's so much easier to, seamlessly collaborate you know it's easier now i think to be able to um just provide one portion of that equation yeah yeah you can really specialize um yeah based on your unique ability you know i mean based yeah. on your passion your unique ability you can really specialize and know almost uh not not out of hope, but with total confidence. I know there's, you know, if I have a vision like this, I know the C and the R's are out there, you know. Yes. Yes, that's exactly and, right. And you didn't know, and you did not know that in 1990. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I find it now, like I have total freedom on realizing that I don't have to develop the, um, capabilities, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. on my, uh, on my own, uh, or even on my, uh, behalf. It's really the, the latest I've been thinking is that it's so much, um, you know, it's, it's really good for me. It was kind of like, um, like Charles Koch, like the idea of mm-hmm. the, of developing my vision, my, you know, tools. <laughs> yeah, my ability to deliver, uh, results through other people's capabilities. And that's a, um, it's good. I feel free, Dan, in this. Like I feel like a weight has been kind yeah. of lifted in a way mm-hmm. of not having to feel like I need to uh you know buckle down and and develop the capabilities to uh build my or that, organization or that, or, or that you're deficient in some way because yes. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, uh, that that's the big thing. I mean, we're doing the book, the gap and the gain, and I, I said, had a great. Uh, uh, you know, do not, do not, uh, you know, uh, you know, do not measure who you are against some sort of ideal. You know, measure yeah. it against. Here's where I was three months ago. Here's where I am today. You know. Yeah. And that's uh, and you know. Uh, it's the only thing that keeps you safe. And uh, yeah, I had a great um, had a great conversation with uh, Ben here yeah. in Winter Haven a f- couple of weeks ago, and then we talked again the other day on the on the phone. But um, yeah, he's he's got the first draft uh, done. Yeah, he's now. almost finished. He's almost yeah. finished with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he, I mean, he he really goes as deep as he possibly can. He really, really wants to know what's at the bottom of this, uh, bottom of this whole thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and um, so, um, but I'm I'm seeing this right now that the gap in the game. So for those of you listening who don't know what this is, that. Uh, there's two ways of proceeding in life, and uh, both involve achieving goals. But the question is, when you've achieved a goal, what do you measure your achievement against? Do you measure it against an ideal that you have for yourself, or do you measure your achievement from where you started? If you measure it against an ideal, you'll have a feeling that you haven't accomplished anything because it's like measuring distance against the horizon. You're always the same you know, the the horizon's always the same distance away. So no matter how far you went, it seems like you didn't do anything. But if you measure from where you went, you feel like you've achieved a lot. And what if you're going to do this for a whole lifetime, which of these two methods would you choose? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's yeah. so great. I, I I choose happy. Yeah. Did you uh, do you remember ever reading or hearing in the nineties, there was a guy, uh, Bob Beal wrote a book called, uh, stop setting goals. Uh, but he would talked about the idea of being a problem solver. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, don't a, remember, I don't, I don't remember him or the book. So, okay. No, well, I that was an interesting that yeah. there's, you know, there's some dynamic that some people, uh, myself included, are not really, not as much goal setters as get more energized by solving problems. Mm-hmm. And that's kind mm-hmm. of, it's it's an interesting um, thing when you talk about, uh, when you think VOTA, when, when you think about vision, obstacle, um, transformations, that's a, a, um, it's one key component of solving, yeah. and, but it's just people get embracing which whichever one is your uh, situation. If you can frame something in a way that's empowering, you know, you know what I've come to 
so for example, you know, the difference between a goal goal achiever or a problem problem solver. And I'm coming more and more to the conclusion that if you have a hundred human brains, uh they each come to grips with their environment in a uniquely different way. Hmm. And how? that there isn't there isn't a single uh path to how a human being should um live their life. You know, um first of all there's no way of checking it out <laughs> to begin with. But right. uh that uh I think what we have um I think we do have an innate sense of what um, getting bigger and better means. You know, like I think an individual, you know, we get a sense uh, probably very early in life when there's all these big creatures walking around, you can't walk. And then one day you can walk. I think you consider this as a, as you know, bigger and better uh, when you go forward. And then, there's all the rest of life, you know, where you see things outside of yourself and you strive to, you know, gain greater capability. And, and, uh, you know, you probably, you probably have a picture of yourself in the future doing something that you can't mm-hmm. do now. You, you gain a capability and then, uh, you know, and then, uh, <laughs> and then you, uh, you know, you get a sense that you can multiply. There are certain things that you can multiply in life if you, if you use your capabilities with other people, capability. But I'm, I, I was just reading a really in-depth article on just what the brain is, and uh, you know that uh, um, uh, synapses are where every uh, you know neuron in the brain is connected to everyone, every other uh, neuron in the brain, and it's totally unpredictable which ones will be connecting and which where they're going to fire and which order and it adds up to like um, it adds up to about 86 trillion possible interactions at at any given second wow (laughs) and i said and you're trying to create an artificial intelligence that uh, can get a handle on this i said i I don't think it's going to happen you know, I don't mm. think it's going to happen. So what it means is that there's a high degree of unpredictability about each of our getting up in the morning. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of, um, you know, I mean, we have habits and we have. Preferred, yes. Yes. Uh, preferred that we've dug for ourselves. But I still think that, uh, you know, that uh, it's not entirely predictable at, you know, early morning, what's going to happen to this person by the end of the day. Yeah. And the, one, and the thoughts you know, the, are, the they're going to think and the things they're going to remember and, the, you know, the aspirations they're going to have. I, I think it's highly unpredictable. Yeah. There's a lot of um, variation. Like the beginning <laughs> of one of our podcasts, Dean. Yes. There's no, who knows where it's going to go. That's fantastic, though. The, um, you know, this is where the internal game, like you're thinking about your thinking, is truly the thing that distinguishes your your life experience, right? I mean, when I was, when I was in London, I, I can't. I, I keep coming back to this. Um, I don't know whether it was insight or whatever I had, but sitting in the Shangri-La hotel, looking down at the London streets packed with people. And it all struck me that what we do, if you turn off the sound and just observe us from a little bit up, we're all mechanically doing the same things and you realize the importance of what you know the the story machine that we're playing out in our heads to realize like it struck me when we when i looked even from the uh the perch at the shangri-la you know you've seen those videos where they sort of take off from um 
you know, a busy uh, from the city center. And then you go out and then you're above the whole city and then they back out and there's your state in the whole thing. And then it keeps going out into the universe and you Uh lose sight of where you're, you are in the big uh, picture, you know, meant to show you really how in the big scheme of things, insignificant, the drama and the, life story of what we've got going on in in our heads is yeah. in the big picture it's it's yeah I think, and, you know, uh, that's an interesting thing because i um i notice that as the um knowledge of let's say knowledge of the solar system and Actually, even being away from the planet, you know, the first time they shot a photo where somebody could actually shoot a whole photo of the planet, that yeah. was a big, uh, that was a big deal. You know, that was, yeah. uh, I think it was, what was it, Christmas 1967 or something like that. Uh-huh. I think it was two years before the moon landing. Right. Uh, where they, they circled the moon right at Christmas time and they came around one side of the moon and they, uh, the uh, Earth was in complete sunlight, you know. The big blue marble. The yeah. big marble, and uh, you know, and uh, I think it had a huge impact. First of all, it's the first time we've ever seen it. Nobody had ever yeah. seen it before, you know. Right. But uh, nobody lives at that level, you know. I mean, the thing right. is, I think the problem that people have is because their mind can grasp that or see that. They say, well, what am I in comparison to that? You know, what am I in comparison to the planet? And I said, well, you don't live there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You've you've got, yeah, you can see that and you can have this image in your brain. But guess what? Um, You got to get right back down here today and you got to play out. What are you going to do for the day? And I think that's where a lot of the confusion is coming in modern day of uh, people feeling, well, life doesn't have any meaning. I don't have any meaning. You know, mm-hmm. what can I do? And everything like that. I said, you're, you're, you're misunderstanding the difference between what you can think about in your brain and what you can focus on to actually get done with what's available to you today. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and that, um, you know, people, I, I, that's why I think your VCR is so important is because VCR is your inventory. Yeah. This is a practical, in, this is a practical inventory. You can actually put anything from column one together with anything in column two and anything in column three. And guess yeah. what? You, you'll, you'll produce something that's bigger and better. Yes. Anyone's. Yeah. Anyone's yeah. Uh, and the combination of them. Yeah. How are yeah. you thinking about this? What, what have you observed or what's your well, thoughts for how this applies well, to you? Uh, well, first of all, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I did the exercise for, you know, the sample copy for the exercise mm-hmm. on Thursday and I went through and I said, you know, uh, and one of the things I've realized is that I just don't have kind of like, um, Dan Sullivan goals, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what I have is a lot of goals that a guy named Dan Sullivan is part of a team who's doing this and we're doing it and we've got these capabilities. And last year has been a great, um, it's been a great demonstration of that, of just me with the team plus Zoom and how yeah. much we've achieved out in the world. Yeah. And so it's, um, I have a vision, I have a, I have a team, then I have an organization, we have a program, we have coaches, we have, you know, a couple of thousand entrepreneurs, yeah. and we have Zoom, and everything's gotten better um, by putting those three things together. Two of them were great before, but the addition of Zoom has made everything better. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And that's why when people, people, you know, I said, 
I don't know about you and all this talk about going back, but I'm not going back anywhere. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, it'd be so good when things are back to normal. I said, oh, well, we might as well say goodbye right now. Don't you love your little, your, I mean, your commute now is just, you know, walk next door. There we go. Yep. Yeah, I just have to be careful not to trip on the stairs, but outside of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Do you know what? Yeah, the, like, but, you know, talking about which, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, there's a funny photo of the president falling down three times on his way up the stairs. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I sent a uh, uh, Tucker Math Matt. Max and I talk a lot about that topic, and I said, and I said, battery life less than fifty hours. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> and I because I sent him one about two uh, two weeks ago, and I said, battery life less than a hundred hours. And I sent him another one, battery life less than fifty hours. <laughs> oh boy, said, that's going uh, down. Uh, and I said. Uh, um, there's making a mistake, and then there's making a sp- mistake as uh, as president president of the world walking up Air Force One. That's a more serious yeah. mistake. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. But Tucker had a grandfather, and he said he, he, it's almost like watching his grandfather. He said, "Well, uh, one of the things that happens with dementia is that you lose a sense of where your feet are." Um, yes. And, uh, and you lose your balance, you lose your sense of, you know, you start drawing back in because the brain, you know, I mean, what happens when, you know, you start losing your cognitive, uh, your cognitive abilities, the brain kind of pulls back everything, you know, uh, you know, it sort of, <laughs> it sort of abandons the forward force and starts retreating back to the inner force, you know. Yeah. And so you don't have the same use of your outer limbs and your sense of balance. I mean, and uh, everything like that. And, uh, you know, I mean, people say, oh, I feel so far- sorry for him. I, I said, well, you know, you're, you're not drafted to be president of the United States. You know, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta have some agreement that you want to do this. And, you know, and the, the evidence was already out there a year ago that he was yeah. the person was four years ago, and yeah, said, you know this is a t- this is a tough job. I mean, yeah, and, uh, and so so anyway, but it's really really interesting. And but I don't think it's really about him. I think uh, big changes are happening, and he just happens to be a uh, you know a symbol of that probably isn't going to be the future. No, they all, I mean, that's so, uh, did, did you see the Oliver Stone, um, interview series with, uh, with Putin? No, no. Oliver Stone did a documentary, uh, where he just did an in-depth interview with, with Putin. And, you know, he mentioned how, you know, he's seen many presidents come now while he's been in, Power, and he said, you know, talking about um, Barack and talking about um, this, the whole George, you know, Bush, all these guys think that they're going to make change, that they're good men and they've got good intentions. And then when they win, when they're elected, um, they get in the office and then the men with the suits come. And tell them how it really is, and but what? that's the end of any change. That's really uh, what's happening, you know. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that they were kind of bought into the system before. See, I think that the thing that scared everybody about Trump. Trump is probably the only person who got to the White House without any IOUs at lower levels. He never had a lower level. You know, and uh, I think that's why it was so disturbing to the men in suits. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's pretty funny, though, right? I mean, that's, uh, yeah. You know, uh, 
somebody uh, somebody said that it's hard to know when Trump ever had a supervisor. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like uh, looking back, so he was just kind of uh, you know he was just a, a he was a, he was a, what what would you call that a, a rogue rogue something yeah, like, would you call rogue. There's, I mean, a guy like, uh, first of all, they, I mean, the the kind of deals that someone has to be to be president or to be like, you know, he became, um, he was like a senator at 29, I think, like 29 or, well, no, he couldn't have been at 29. I think you have to be at least 30 to be a senator. So, but he was, you know, and then, you know, and then he gets elected president. So that's cool. You know, he was vice president for eight years, so yeah, but he had thirty four years. And uh, I don't know if you have you ever been to Delaware? Have you ever been to Delaware? Uh, no, I have not. Well, it's a corporation that looks like a state. Okay, it's Dupont. Is that what it is? Okay, yeah, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it wasn't formed that way. There, you know, there wasn't a Dupont. Right. But DuPont literally controls the whole state. I mean, nothing moves in Dup- and it's not a big state. You know, it's maybe a million. Yeah, no, I was, you know, it's like I haven't thought about it in so long. I don't think I've even said the word or heard the word Delaware in years. And, and yeah. the only time you do hear about it is a Delaware corporation. Like there's yeah. some well, the thing is, mainland they've got, two they've yeah. got uh, yeah, they've got like three industries. They've got uh, beach, you know, the, uh, Delaware has uh, beach yeah. on the Atlantic, so, and then they've got Dupont, and then they have this thing that you can form a corporation in Delaware, and yeah. you get you you pay a, a yearly subscription for it, but you don't get taxed as a corporation. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So that those are the three things. Plus, they're a suburb of Philadelphia, you know, and everything like that. But if you're a senator there for like forty years, I bet you've done some deals with Dupont. Ah, I bet. <laughs> and and the people that Dupont does deals with, I bet you've done deals with them too. So you know, and you know, like so the. And a lot of that information you don't want to come out when you're running for uh, president of the United States. So uh, yeah. men in suits come in and inform you of what you can oh. say and what you can't say. Wow. <laughs> men, in suit. men in suits. That's a really great line. It's what he said. Yeah, the men in suits come. It's funny, but that's, you can imagine, like it just had such a ring of truth to it too, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah, because we deep down think that that's exactly what's uh, what's happening. Have you seen yeah, Dan? Bushes, yeah. I mean, if you look at the bushes, the bushes go way back. I mean, bushes yeah, go, uh, you know the the uh, skull and bones, the walkers and the bushes, the, the Yale, the, uh, the, the Yale, Yale yeah, secret bones, society. Yeah. yeah, the secret society and who all those people were and who they were connected to. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in, in most of the world, that's the rule. It's just that the U.S., uh, you know, and the U.S. has this thing that gives um, kind of like a possibility for outsiders to get to the top. And, uh, you know, that someone uh, 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 Biden is actually uh, an extraordinary exception in American presidential politics. It's someone on the inside for that lawn who gets to the top. Usually it's somebody who comes. I mean, Obama was from the outside. When you think about it, Obama was from the outside. Uh, Uh Reagan was totally from the outside. There's a lot of presidents who are totally from the outside. And I think that uh, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of a, um, you know, it's kind of a thing about the United States that for this one office, there's a chance to get some fresh thinking and fresh life and fresh personality. Couldn't happen in Canada. Couldn't happen in, you know, the parliamentary governments because you have to pay your dues as a member of parliament for uh, for a long period of time before you can yeah. ever get to the leader of the party. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but it's really uh, it's really really interesting. 
But, you know, going back, you asked me the question of what the VTR for me is. I said, well, first of all, it's just such an excellent simplification of what you pay attention to. What am I improving over the next uh, 90 days? I'm going to improve my vision. What else? Well, I'm going to add more capabilities. What else? I'm going to explore where I can have greater reach. What, yeah. uh, uh, what besides that? Uh, rinse, relather, repeat. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like looking at... Um, it's It's been... A, it, it, it's an interesting switch, um, you know, just a mental shift of looking not you, you said something interesting is you know adding capabilities not sort of developing um capabilities in a way there's something mm-hmm. you know for me unless unless it is capability but my thing is i i look at um you know it's a really interesting opportunity now to observe and, and uh, seek out uh, capabilities, but then apply from the side my vision to with those capabilities. Like if I had access to those capabilities, or um, yeah, what could you uh, what could you do? I, I look at mm-hmm. more like I'm, I'm looking at my role in a lot of these things now as a. Um, a producer kind of thing, putting them together, looking at well, I think capabilities. What, you know, what a, really, what a really good model does is that it depersonalizes in a really good way. Yeah. You know, like in the sense that, you know, that it's not about, you know, Dean Jackson or Dan Sullivan. It's just that each of them has certain currency I, you know the, it's a yeah. form of the vcr there it's a form of currency yeah if you have this sort of currency you can involve yourself uh in these type of activities with these type of players you know because you yes. have this type of currency and yeah. even having said that it's not predictable exactly what's going to happen it's just that you've got uh you know you've um you've got what it takes to be in a game like that yeah yeah, it's and it's it's energizing because oh, now yeah. it allows you know you can you don't have to um, uh, you don't have to ramp up to the certain uh, part. You can jump right in to whatever level um, you want, just like what Mister Beast just did. Yeah, um, you know, jumped right to three hundred restaurants because he was doing alternative capabilities. You didn't have to go and build one and then duplicate it and do it again. And there, I think they've well, added the other more. Thing, the other thing, as big a deal that as that would be for someone else, um, yeah, that was like the project for the quarter for him. You know, this is you. Yeah, uh, his YouTube project for the quarter. <laughs> well, they've passed a million. Uh, they've passed a million burgers now. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is, how long did it take? How long did yeah. McDonald's to do that? You know, I remember exactly the when, they used to, when they used to post the number. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So yeah. now, yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I wonder how many uh, McDonald's franchises wish they could pull in the Mr. Beast uh, menu. <laughs> But you look at now the layers of collaboration here. Like you, you look at Mr. Beast just doing his thing, which is making his videos and nurturing yeah. his reach, his audience. Yeah. But all the collaboration. So his management company, Night Media, in collaboration with Robert Earl's company, Virtual Dining Concepts, all firmly in that capability column that keep Mr. Beast out of having to worry or do any of it. He just, he just, it doesn't have any other impact on him 
keeps him out of the muck. He keeps him out of the muck. He used to say, what do you want to serve at your restaurant? Well, I want cheeseburgers and I want this kind of cheeseburger and this chicken sandwich. And what kind of fries do you want? Well, I like crinkle fries with some seasoning on them. And what kind of logo? You want your logo on there? Yeah, all he has to do is check, 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 sign off on the mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. and not get involved in any of the the capability. Yeah. It's just like just like Kylie Jenner with her. Yeah. It's almost like the um, you know, we've we've lovingly called my you know, we keep um it, my whole organization is around embracing my bovinity and allowing me to just be the cow that makes yep. the milk. And yep. we call this, you know, we call the, um, the interaction between me and the processing plant. The mid, the middle step is the, the milking shed. <laughs> so <laughs> they just need to, you know, they just take Jimmy, Mr. Beast, they just take him into the milking shed and extract his vision, his milk. Yes. And then they take it into the processing plant and make it all happen. And if they're, if his organization's like mine, he's not even allowed in the processing plant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, Cause I have a, a sense that, um, and, this from experience, but things I've read that actually um, uh, things that happen before um, 40, before you're 40 years old, um, well, you don't, you don't, you wouldn't see them the way that we can see certain things now since yeah. we're you know, uh, beyond. And uh, it's the same thing with Kylie Jenner. And, yeah. Uh, but, what each of these individuals does after 40 is of extreme interest to me because um, there's, you know, there's great parenting, there's great family fortunes, there's great connections, there's great role models, there's great things and everything like that. And uh, I notice, especially with the entrepreneurs that usually the decade of between 30 and 40 is your toughest decade. And it has to do with the fact that uh, are you just a really great product of where you came from or are you actually going to be something on your own? Are you mm. actually gonna, you know, and uh, so, so, I mean, I'm interested in this because I'm, I'm just about twice that age and I, seventies were the shits as far as I'm, I mean, my, uh, the, that was the decade when I was in my third, between 30 and 40. And it was yeah. just a horror. It was, I mean, hands down, of all of the bad things that have happened to me in my life, by far the yeah. majority of them happened between ages 30 and 40. And then wow. after 40, after 40, you know, I, I'd held out, you know, I'd held out tough times, but I'd held out to be me. And then on the other side, I got the rewards of me. And uh, yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see, I mean, uh, with uh, these uh super successful phenoms yeah. who are, you know, in their late teens, early twenties and everything to see, see where so they you're are. going to be, um, you're going to be 77 this year, 77 in May. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And I'm going to be 55. So this is okay. our, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're a little younger. I think you're a little closer to me for a week or two and then I pull ahead again. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's funny. Yeah, the yeah. whole um, but, I've quite enjoyed I think that my fifties. I think the VCR is timelessly good. Yes. I think it's a timelessly good uh, it's idea. good to uh, I'm gonna I think it only my hat on it. Yeah, I think it only gets better. Yeah, I'm going to hang my hat on that one and and uh, trace everything that I do going forward on yeah, yeah. increasing, you know, yeah. Yeah. competence of of 
combining the the VCR formula. That's it was so funny the other day. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the little kerfuffle between me and Kathy Davis. And I'm no, saying, what was, I, no, I said at the bottom it should say copyright and t- uh, trademark Dean Jackson, and it oh, came yeah, back. Yeah. And I had specifically stated that. <laughs> and my editor had looked at it and called and talked to our legal thing and said, no, 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 it's got to be strategic edge. You know, we're in trouble. You know, we've gotten in trouble with this. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the problem was I everything was at the last moment, you know. So, yes, I mean, if, right. I got, if I had gotten the materials in a couple of days early, I could have talked it through. And I said, this is a special, this is special special you can i said it isn't going any farther than you know free zone and everything the other coaches aren't going to be coaching this and you know and we're not publishing this outside so you do it but it was so funny because uh, i got overruled by my own team you know (laughs) that's interesting right like i get it that that's but i get that that's an important um thing like i don't imagine that there's been other situations like that. So no, I'm, no. I feel honored by that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I think at the bottom of the blank one that just had, uh, it sort of had it right, but on the official one with my, you know, my sample copy and everything that, uh, uh-huh. and, and so I got over, I got overruled. And uh, <laughs> anyway, but uh, we're getting close to the conclusion of my major litigation adventure so we're probably within a couple months of that being over so anyway oh good and uh, yeah yeah and uh it's uh but it's sharpened me up about this and i'm very very interested uh, and i i was talking to my um my intellectual property lawyer and uh after the conversation i said you know uh, I know more about the importance of this regarding intellectual property law than he does when talking about non-fungible uh, tokens. Yes. Uh-huh. I think non-fungible tokens is the ultimate intellectual property law protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly because they're, the minting process is is digitally like time-stamped. So. That's yeah. certainly the first, uh, yeah. And I think why all, you know, you get a sudden flurry of this is that this kind of protection was required if you're going to maintain maximum incentives for people to be creative and innovative and to, uh-huh. um, and to be profit, profitably rewarded for being innovative. And yeah. uh, if, you, if you don't have protection for, for this, uh, it's a disincentive, not a motivation. Yeah. Anyway. I'm still I'm, I'm paying attention to it, but this will be a good. Yeah. Uh, this will be yeah. a good thing. These are my these are my thoughts about that. But uh, but uh, that's the dispatch from Cloudlandia today. This is this is my data packet for today. <laughs> yes, I love it. Okay. Awesome, Dan. Uh, I'll have to let you know next week because we may be going. Uh, we may be going up north to our cottage, but that doesn't oh, really matter. Because, yeah, that doesn't really matter because we have really good. Um, we have really good internet up there now. So that's perfect. Good. We actually have Elon Musk up there. It's new. Uh, so, oh, satellite! Uh, nice satellite. Yeah, and somebody. Uh, well, uh, somebody I know up there said it's really great. It's really, really great. So they're already getting the, you know, uh, they're already getting the, I forget what it's called, Skylink or what? Yeah, wow, the world's getting smaller, isn't it? This is great. Yeah. All right. Or bigger. Okay, Dan, I'll talk Have to you Have a good soon. week. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.